Good morning. It's time to begin this morning, and I just kind of want to um, go through some changes we've had uh, for some of the events that we've got coming up for the youth. Um, next Sunday, um, we're responsible for the services at Richland, um, but we also have the first Sunday singing here next Sunday. Um, so normally we have Richland Place service at 4, um, so we've moved that back to 315. Um, so we will have Richland services at 315 Sunday, next Sunday, instead of 4. Um, Last time we had those services, we had over 70 there, so uh, let's try to repeat that effort again next Sunday. Um, also, this coming Saturday, um, we're going to be passing out uh, flyers for our youth rally that's coming up on April 21st. Uh, we're going to meet here at the building at 9 o'clock, so if you don't have anything going on on Saturday, we're going to go around the community and uh, pass out flyers for our upcoming youth rally on April 21st. So that's this Saturday at 9 o'clock, so if you don't have anything going on, come join us for that. And Coinciding with that, our youth rally is April 21st, um, so try to mark your calendars for that. We've invited several congregations um, around the community and uh, throughout um, Middle Tennessee, so that should be a great day. Um, so try to mark your calendars for that. We're going to start that at 9 o'clock, and that goes to 1 o'clock on that day. So that's April 21st. So if you have any questions about anything we have going on with the youth, feel free to hit me or carry up. Um, we'll answer any questions um, that you may have. So we're going to go ahead and have our regular announcements. Good morning. It's good to see everyone out this morning, especially any of you who might be visiting with us. We'd like to welcome you back at any opportunity which you have. We do meet every Sunday morning for a Bible study at 9. Uh, worship at 9.50 every Sunday evening. We're back here for worship at 5, and we have a midweek Bible study every Wednesday evening at 7, and we'd like to invite you back to any of those at any opportunity. I have a whole stack of announcements to get through this morning, so bear with me, and we'll go through this. Um, to start with, the uh, pantry item is listed out in front on the foyer, if you can help with that in any way. Sick at home this morning, uh, Isaac Miller is still sick, and also Carolyn Spivey. Let's remember them in, their, in our prayers. Uh, in the hospital, uh, please remember Barbara uh, Walford, that's um, Brother Willie's wife, and it's also uh, Pam Rittenberry's sister. Remember her, she's at Sumner Regional Medical Center and she is doing some better. Um, got several events going on. Today is Oak Hill at three and also Halltown at four, if you can help or uh, with any of that. I'm not going to go over all the upcoming events for April. There is a pretty good list of those in the bulletin. We do have some to mention today. Um, as Derek said, we've got a few things going on in March. Uh, Dorcas Timothy class is still going on every afternoon, every Sunday afternoon in March. The service youth project he mentioned is this Saturday. Uh, tonight is the fourth Sunday fellowship meal. And along with that, I've got another note here. Along with that, um, Zone 3 is who's responsible for setup and cleanup on that. So they've asked me to ask you if you're in Zone 3, if you could, after services this morning, go down and get it set up, and then after the meal tonight to tear everything back down. And that's going to rotate between the zones every month when they uh, do that. Um, deaths, I've got a few deaths in the community. Uh, Artie Baxter's uncle passed away, and the funeral is today in Louisville. If you would, keep uh, that family in your prayers. His name was Doc Fields. Also, um, Donna Wolfenbach and family, um, 
keep that family in your prayers after the passing of her husband, Richard Wolfenbach, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a German name. Memorial services are going to be held at Wilkson Wiseman Saturday, March 31st at 11, and visitation is from 10 to 11. I've got one thank you card here. It says, to the Fountainhead family, thank you so much for supporting me in my mission trip. I cannot wait to travel to Mexico and help spread the love of God to the children during the week-long VBS. This wouldn't have been possible without you all. Love, Lily Tucker. Uh, the World Christian Broadcast, um, and I'm sorry, Chris, I can't read your writing. Dinner. The World Christian Broadcast Dinner is going to be on 419 at 6.30 p.m. That's a Thursday night at uh, Franklin at the Cool Springs Marriott. Uh, Fountainhead has a table there with eight seats, and if you are interested in helping with that or going to that, please see Chris and Daphne Crowder on that. Uh, Sean has asked to meet with Zone 2 this morning uh, up front after the worship for a meeting on that. Um, several showers coming up in the, uh, in the next few weeks. There's a shower basket for Heather that's out front. Uh, tonight is the last night on that. If you can bring uh, diapers, wipes, um, anything like that. She's also registered at Target and Babies Are Us, and they're going to present that to her tonight at the fellowship meal. Uh, on 4-8, there'll be a luncheon baby shower for Samantha Doris. And on 4-22, there'll be a baby shower for Katie Brooks. The mother-son meal will be coming up on April the 14th at 6 p.m. Um, there's information about that in the bulletin, and you can see Sean for more information on that. Did I say Sean? It, uh, it is Sean. That's you, isn't it? Okay. That's all I have, unless I have overlooked something. Tonight, uh, the worship will be in song. Is there anything that I've overlooked? I've covered a bunch, so <laughs> uh, check your bulletins. There's all kinds of stuff in your bulletins. Those to serve, uh, song leader this morning is Eric Hagan, opening prayer by Brother Tim Wright, scripture reading by Michael McClellan, sermon by Matt Miller, and the closing prayer by Mickey Thompson. Let's go to God in prayer before we start our worship this morning. Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this another Lord's Day that you've given us. We thank you for another day of life. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship you. And Father, we pray that our worship is always going to be in spirit and in truth. And we pray that everything that's said and done here this morning will be done in accordance to your will. Father, help us now as we begin our worship to clear our minds and to open our hearts and to put the worldly things behind us and to concentrate on the spiritual things this morning. Father, we pray that you'll go with us throughout this service and throughout our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, as Matt will bring us a lesson in a few minutes about the church at Laodicea, our songs this morning are centered around the idea of commitment and dedication that we need to have as God's children. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there. He intercedes for you.
This will be our psalm of full Lord's Supper this morning. We'll sing two verses, and then we'll sing the chorus after the second verse. Oh, and the As we prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, uh, let's think about why we're here. I appreciate Sammy's prayer uh, to get us in the right frame of mind, to forget about the things of the world. But we're here to worship God as we've been commanded to do on the first day of the week. We're not here to be entertained. If you go to some kind of event to be entertained, such as a ball game, you sit back and you watch what's going on. Worshiping God is an action that we do. We sing, we pray, we read the Bible, we give a contribution, and we hear a sermon preached from God's Word. What we do and how we do it should be pleasing to God. And the same is especially true when we partake of the Lord's Supper, the communion. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, what Jesus said. And it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And what we're doing when we partake the Lord's Supper is remembering the death of Jesus, the great sacrifice that he made for all of us. Think about how we act when we go to a funeral. We show respect for the person by dressing nice as we can. We're quiet, we pay attention. We remember the things of their life. We show great respect. God deserves our best every time we come to worship. Jesus deserves our complete respect every time we partake of the communion. 
verses 27 20 through 29 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to stand around your table. And we're thankful, Lord, for this bread, which represents that broken body of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we would do it in a way that is well-pleasing in your sight. And this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, as we assemble around this Lord's table again to partake of this fruit of the vine, which Christ said represents his blood that he shed upon the cross, help us, Father, to examine ourselves, to be able to focus upon that sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf for our sins and for the sins of this world, that we might partake in a well-pleasing manner unto you. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, again, for all the things that you provide for us each and every day. And Lord, we pray that as we give back a portion of that today, that, that we will do it in a way and we're, we're not grudging about it or, or that it's a needful thing, but we want to do it. We pray, Lord, that this would be used to spread your kingdom. And this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. This will be our song before prayer this morning. Shine, Jesus, shine. Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of the darkness shining. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine on me, shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with the Father's glory, blaze, Spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire, flow, river, flow, flood the
Let's pray together. Our dearly Father, we're so thankful to Thee for this day, for this first day of the week, and for what it means to us as Christians, for the measure of health that You've given each one of us to assemble here, Father, to praise the high and holy name. And we pray, Father, that our worship to Thee this hour would be in spirit and in truth. Father, we come thanking You for all the many blessings of life. We know, Father, that all things come from Thee. We're just so thankful, Father, for each and every blessing that You shower upon each one of us. Especially, Father, we thank You for the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus. I'm just so grateful, Father, for Him and for His life and for His example and for the years that he spent here upon this earth and for his recorded teachings and words that we have recorded in the Bible. And we're so thankful that he was willing to endure the terrible death upon the cross for the sins of all mankind, to go through the mocking and the crucifixion, Father, and all the suffering and pain that he endured upon our behalf. We're so grateful that, that he rose from the dead on the third day, giving us hope, Father, of life once this physical life here upon this earth is over, if we're obedient to your will. We're grateful, Father, for the precious blood that he shed. It cleanses us, Father, of our sins as we continue to walk in the light. And we're so grateful for that and for the blood that he shed and the purchasing of the church and we're so thankful that we can be members of that church and we pray father for the church throughout the world those who are true to your word that you would be with them and bless them with their efforts to reach out to those who are lost our father in heaven we're so grateful for the congregation that meets here from time to time here at fountainhead and we're so thankful for the eldership here, the men who have taken on the responsibility of overseeing the flock here. And we're grateful for them, Father, and for their love for thee and for dedication to your kingdom. And we pray, Father, that you might be with them and bless them in their work. We pray, Father, the decisions that they make might always be in accordance to your will. We're grateful, Father, also for all those who serve the deacons for the task, Father, that they have been given and for the good work that they do. We pray, Father, that you might continue to be with them and bless them and their families in this good work. Continue, Father, to be with our ministers here. We pray for them and for the work that they do in teaching and preaching your word throughout this community. And we just pray, Father, that you might give them a long and useful life in thy service. We're thankful, Father, for each and every member here from the least to the oldest. And we're just so thankful, Father, for each one and pray that you might bless us, help us all, Father, to 
have love and concern for one another, that we might be as one as you would have us to be. Our Father in heaven, we come at this time praying for those who are less fortunate than we. We're mindful, Father, for all the sick throughout the world whom was our duty to pray for. We're especially mindful of those of our number and our community, and especially, Father, the names that are mentioned in our announcements as being sick, those who are shut in, and those who are in the hospitals. We pray, Father, that you might be with each one. We know that you know their needs better than we, and just pray that you might bless them with a reasonable portion of their health, being keeping with your will. Father, we have many of our number and our community who have suffered the loss of loved ones. We continue to pray for them. Pray, Father, that you might be with them. Help them, Father, to seek comfort in you and your word. We pray, Father, that they might find this comfort during this time of loss, during this time of bereavement and separation from their loved one. Our Father in heaven, at this time we come acknowledging that we're human, that we're weak, that we're sinful people. We ask, Father, that if we have anything that is amiss in our life, whether we have left things undone or we failed to do things, Father, that we, we should do, we have transgressed thy will in any way, we humbly come before thee, Father, pending of these things, and we pray, Father, that you would give us the strength to overcome the areas where we're weak in our life. Help us, Father, to flee from temptation. We know, Father, as hard as we try to do your will, that we often fall short of your glory. We pray, Father, that you will forgive us of these sins and shortcomings as we repent and turn from them. Our Heavenly Father, at this time, we pray that you might be with Brother Matt as he is about to bring us a message from your word. We pray, Father, that he might have a good remembrance of the things that he has prepared. And we pray, Father, for those in our assembly, even this day, who need to respond to the gospel call, those who need to perhaps put Christ on in baptism, or those who need to come forward and to rededicate their life to Thee. We pray, Father, that whatever the cause might be, that something would, might be said or done that would cause them to make their life right before Thee before it's eternally too late with them. Our Father, we're so thankful for Your Word, for the guidance that it gives into each one of us. We know that in your word, it tells us that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our pathway. And we pray, Father, that we might truly allow your word to direct our paths, to light our way as we strive to live here on this earth. And we pray, Father, that we might always strive to do your will to the best of our ability while we're here upon this earth. And we're so thankful, Father, for your word and for its power, for its power to convict us of our sins and for its power of salvation, Father. We're just so grateful 
for your word, and we pray that we will allow your word to dwell in our hearts and our minds. Our Heavenly Father, we know that one day that your word will judge us, and we just pray, Father, that as Christians that we'll strive each day to serve thee all the days of our life, Father, to the best of our ability, for we know that we will stand before thee in judgment, and we'll have to give account, Father, for the things that we have said and done in this physical body. And we pray, Father, that we'll not be found lacking, that we can hear thee say, well done, that we can have that home with thee in heaven after a while. And this be our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This is real song before Brother Matt's lesson this morning. If it's convenient for you, let's stand while we sing this. Restore my spirit, Lord, I need restore my heart. reading is found in Revelation chapter 3 verse 22. Revelation 3 verse 22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Good to see you. I know we got some guests in the crowd, and I won't call you out by name, but I love you, and I'm glad you're here. I appreciate you being here and being a part of our worship today, and we hope that thus far it's been according to the Lord's will, and that's in spirit and truth. This morning I want to, and it's a sad day for me, I will say, we're about to wrap up the seven churches of Asia. I've really enjoyed this study. I hope that you have too. And we come to the last church on the map, Laodicea. And I want to give just a little bit of history on Laodicea. And then I want to get into the lesson because I'm going to tell you what, this is a great lesson for the church as a whole the church at Fountainhead to hear and really try to apply to our lives. 
It is a great message, and what an encouraging thing. And I will say this as we begin. Jesus is awesome, and he is worthy to be praised, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What a great thing that we just did. Appreciate Danny's comments about the way that we partake of the Lord's Supper and what we remember, the, the sacrifice that was given for us to be able to go to heaven, to have a relationship with the Lord, to be found pleasing in his eyes. What a blessing that is. And it all comes from the heart of Jesus and his love for us. A little bit of history on Laodicea. It was founded in 250 B.C. Uh, by Antiochus of Smyrna. It was named after his wife, Laodice. And this city was a fortress, and therefore it had no internal water supply. The water came from a very long aqueduct, probably uh, I read different amounts, four miles, six miles so the water came from an outside source down this aqueduct, and uh, a little bit more about that in just a minute. But it was a great commercial center, and because of that, it became very wealthy. And I got another map, and I want you to look at this. There's a city above Laodicea called Heropolis and, one, and Colossae, which the Apostle Paul wrote to. But Laodicea was in a great spot because just to the left of Laodicea, you see Ephesus. And the, the route to Laodicea and Ephesus, but on the other side, it took you into the rest of this, the, the world, Galatia and all of these areas. It was a great uh, route for a lot of things, commercial, trade, uh, it was, there was a lot of things happening in Laodicea, and because of that, they became very wealthy. Uh, but in AD 61, like a lot of these places, they suffered an earthquake. But the Laodiceans, uh, unlike Philadelphia, did not ask for any help from Rome. They were so wealthy, they just rebuilt the city themselves. The other thing that's pretty interesting about Laodicea is they, have, uh, they had a great clothing center. The, the Laodicean people were famous for these, uh, these, uh, the, the sheep's wool. It was a violet black, and it was real glossy. And they were able to cheat, uh, produce cheap outer garments. And really, it was known all around the empire uh, these garments that they made. Very interesting. And, and what's so interesting about it is all of these historical facts Jesus addresses in the letter. Why is that so important, Matt? Because what it shows is Jesus cares about what's going on with his people. He cares about the things that are going on in their lives. Now, you may say, well, that's talking to him uh, to this church, Matt. No, it's talking to us today too. Jesus is in our lives. Jesus is worried about the things that we're doing and he wants us to do the right things because he cares for us. But not only did they have this great clothing center, but they also had a great medical center. 
It was so great. The doctors were so famous that the coins that they had, they had the doctor's pictures and names on them. Pretty amazing thing. And they were really famous for two things. They were famous for ear and eye salve, this ointment that they made. And it was known, again, all over the empire. And if you needed, uh, you know, walking on these dusty roads, the dust would get in your ears, it would get in your eyes, it would cause infection. And they were a group that was able to produce this ointment, this salve that would help with those ailments. They also had a large Jewish population. In 62 BC, the population was so large that the governor, Flaccus, he was concerned about how much money was going out into Judea for the temple tax. So what does he do? He puts an official ban on allowing any of the money to go out. Large sums of money the Jews were giving uh, to Jerusalem for the temple, and he put a stop to it. And, and just a couple more things, and then we'll get into the text. They also had these hot springs and cold springs. In Heropolis on the map, they, they had these hot springs where people would go, and it would be a therapeutic thing. And below in Colossae, they had these cold springs. The history of what's going on in these cities is just, it's just so inspiring to me because of what we see come out in the text. Because it totally backs up what the history says about these cities. And we've seen it over and over in all of these uh, different congregations. And this one is the same. And look at what it, it, the, the deal about these hot and these cold springs was, remember, the water went into the aqueduct and would go into the city. And what would happen was the hot water and the cold water would come together. And what becomes hot and cold mixed together? Lukewarm, doesn't it? It becomes lukewarm water. And as this water would go into the city, it would bring on this smell uh, a nauseating smell with all of the minerals and things that came from the hot springs out of the earth, and the mix would actually make people uh, upset to their stomach. It's not ironic that Jesus mentions this throwing up in this text. But here's a description of Jesus as we begin. Verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And I want to just talk about those things for just a minute. Because if you don't catch the encouraging things about who Jesus is, you remember every single time he begins the letter, he talks a little bit about himself. And these really will come alive if you let it. The very first thing that he says is the amen. You know, amen is used to guarantee and emphasize the truth of something. Amen? Often you hear me say that, right? I'll say it uh, in a sentence. And when I say that, I'm hoping that what the response back to me is, yes, that is a true statement. Because what I'm trying to say comes from the word of God. Amen? 
I don't want to have an opinion. I don't want it to be what I think. I want it to be what God says. And therefore, when somebody uses the word amen, it's to guarantee or emphasize the truth. The Greek word actually means at the end or so it is or so be it or yes, Lord, true. You know, it was used in the synagogues and it translated into the Christian uh, time. And this word we see in the New Testament uh, used by Paul, amen, so it is. But Jesus, in calling himself amen, means that he is utterly to be relied on. His words are unquestionably to be accepted and that his promises are true beyond all doubt. Think about that. What he says is true and his promises that he gives you, that he talks about, are absolute. See, isn't that encouraging to think about? When we read Jesus and we read what he says, when we read the apostles and we, re we read what they say and the promises that come through following the Lord Jesus, they're true. They're not just make-believe. They're not just some kind of fairy tale that you go by. These are absolute and they're true. Jesus calls himself the amen. What else does he say? He says the amen, the faithful and true witness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we looked at last week, talks specifically about looking unto Jesus. Why do we look unto Jesus? Because he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. See, this is a great point. Jesus walked in faith. Think about this. There was full trust in all that the Father had promised to the ultimate sense. He knew what, the, what his plan was, what his job was. Look at what he says in John 17, 4. I have glorified you on earth, talking to the Father. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. The Lord told him, to, the Father told him to do these things, and he did it. And what does he say? I've glorified you by doing these things. John 7, 46, the Pharisees and the chief uh, priests come to these officers who are supposed to arrest Jesus for, uh, you know, speaking these things. And what do, they said, you haven't arrested him yet? You haven't brought him uh, to us? And what do, the, what do these officers say? No man ever spoke like this man. There's something different about this guy. He speaks like someone we've never heard before. Why is that? Because he... He is the one who gives us the way to live. He is the one who has absolute understanding from the Father and did it as a human. When we follow his example, when we do like he tells us to do, what we become is like him. Isn't that encouraging? What else does he say? He says the faith, the amen, the faithful and true witness and the beginning of the creation of God. Now, 
This does not mean that he was the first creation of God. John 1.3 says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And Colossians 1.16 and 17 says, All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Jesus is not the first created being. Jesus is the beginning (laughs) of everything. He's the means of the moving cause, right? He's the cause of all creation. He began the process of creation and inhabited the work of the creation. That's awesome, isn't it? This is the beginning of the letter. So when you read these things and you understand these things, you probably think, man, this is probably going to be a pretty positive letter. But boy, comes the rebuke. Look at what happens. Verse 15. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I'm not going to get to say it much more, so I'm going to take advantage one more week. Jesus said, I know your works. Jesus is all-knowing. We can hide it. We can act like we're not doing it. We can pretend like nobody knows, but Jesus knows exactly what you're doing. There's no hiding it. So why not live for him? Why not do the things that God tells you, not just hear it, But do it. And then he goes into this neither cold nor hot. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. The Greek word cold there, it means to the point of freezing. So it's to the extreme. And the the Greek word hot there, it's to the point of boiling. So we're talking about on the very end spectrums of the coldness and hotness. So what does Jesus mean? Two things to consider. Was Jesus using the springs in the area to bring a spiritual application? While the hot springs were therapeutical and relaxing to a person, the cold water was good to drink. But when blended together, they would make one sick. Jesus says the works of this congregation, and listen to this, brothers and sisters, The works of this congregation had the same effect on him. They made him sick. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the letter coming in and the elders opening it up and James Shockley reading it up here and he says, I'd like to just vomit your works out of my mouth? Could he mean this? 
an honest atheist is more acceptable to the Lord than a self-satisfied religious man? Whatever the exact thought was, the principle is very clear. The church had lost its enthusiasm. The church had lost its zeal. The church had lost its excitement. The church had lost its passion for following the king. They had become lazy. They'd become self-righteous. They'd become complacent when it came to their walk with the Lord and their hunger to further the borders of the kingdom. Hey, brethren, ask yourself this question. Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Are you wanting to go tell somebody about the truth? Are you looking for those opportunities to tell somebody about the gospel, about Jesus Christ? Or does it just not really matter? It's not that big of a deal. I'm a Christian. I'm good. Brethren, are we lukewarm? Are we fence riders? Are we one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus? Look at verse 17. It says, because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing... Have we been Christians so long that we have this same mind frame? I've heard these lessons a million times. You know, I really don't need them anymore. They just don't have the same effect on me like they used to. It's hard to make application of these lessons because I've heard them so many times. I know all about Laodicea and cold and hot and lukewarm I know all about those things, and it just, you know, maybe we could get on to something else. The danger with that is this. Those, uh, as you close off the word and the nutrients that come from it, while you think you're good, you're really becoming sicker and sicker and sicker spiritually by the moment. Jesus says, you do not know that you are wretched, that you are miserable, that you are poor, that you're blind and naked. Thinking about all of this, what is Jesus trying to get at? And if you don't hear anything else from the lesson, hear this one. And I'm going to use a real big word, and I've been practicing it, and I know the definition to it. And I'm about to use it on y'all, brethren. So get ready. What Jesus is condemning the hardest is the attitude of indifference. The lack of interest, the lack of concern, the lack of sympathy, it was gone. And all of the attitudes that we have, indifference is a really hard one to combat. Amen. It is a really hard one to pull ourselves out of. But brethren, I know how to fix it. 
I know how to fix it. From the ultimate counselor, Jesus Christ. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, I counsel you. You want to know how you fix this attitude? You want to know how you change from being lukewarm to being pleasing to the Lord? Here's how you do it. You got to realize that you're not doing what you're supposed to do, first of all, before there's any change. But once you get to that point, here it is. Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. Remember about this congregation in Laodicea. They were very wealthy. They were a very wealthy congregation. And Jesus uses this thought to his advantage. He says uh, that I want you to buy gold from me. And think about the process that comes through gold and how you make it, right? The gold would have to be heated. Oh, man, this is great, (laughs) y'all. You ready for this one? The gold would get heated and all uh, it would get melted down until what? All of the impurities were out. All the impurities are out of it. What Jesus offers makes one truly rich. Amen? All impurities gone. Hey, if I'm a child of God and I mess up and I sin, guess what blessing I have? Lord, forgive me of that sin. And guess what? He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. If I'm looking to be a Christian, if I'm wanting to uh, be added to this body, one of the spiritual blessings that come in Christ Jesus is all of your sins are washed away. All impurities gone. Jesus don't do it part-time. Jesus don't just cover it up. Jesus don't just roll it forward. Jesus says, I wipe it out. That's a big God. That's the amen. That's the true and the faithful witness. I tell you what I tell you because it's true, and I'll back it up. I'll forgive you of your sins. He says, why don't you buy some of my gold? What else does he say? He says, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. What happened in the garden with Adam and Eve when they realized that they had sinned? They realized they were naked, didn't they? It was a shameful thing. It is a shameful thing to be uh, naked. That was part of the whole deal with the crucifixion. Throw somebody up there and embarrass them by letting them have no clothes on. It's a terrible and embarrassing thing. And I wish I could bring that out. I had several verses, but I just, I don't have time to deal with that. But there is a overwhelming uh, Bible description of shamefulness and nakedness in comparison. And it is an embarrassing thing to be naked. But what does Jesus say? I'll clothe you with white garments. Remember again, this was a great clothing center. They had all kinds, they were the ones who were making the cheap garments that everybody was wearing in the empire. 
What does Jesus do? He uses it to his advantage. And what does he say? He says, I'll cover your nakedness and I'll cover your shame. And I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What else does he say? He says that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. The great medical center. You know, they were the ones who made the eye salve. They're the ones who made the ear salve. Jesus makes the blind see. Now watch this. You know, I salve uh, or any type of medicine that you would maybe put on uh, your, your, your cut or, or something that was hurt. You know, when you first put that application on, what happens? It burns, doesn't it? You know, you put that uh, hydrogen peroxide on your arm. It may not burn terribly bad, but it hurts, doesn't it? You put that ointment on for the first time of that cut and it hurts. When they would put the eye salve on these irritated eyes or ears, it would hurt. Brethren, do we realize that sometimes coming back to the Lord hurts? Because we have to stop doing things that we don't necessarily want to, to cut, right? I mean, I like doing that. Really? I got to stop doing it? Absolutely. But the most comforting words of this whole letter come from verse 19. I did really good. I was going to tell y'all this at the beginning, but I didn't. I just kept going through my lesson. But this is where I want to be at. Verse 19. Look at this. God's word is incredible, brethren. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. Spend some time in it this week. I know we're all busy. I know we all got things going on. Get into a story. Read about Samuel. Read about Noah. Read about these guys. Read about Paul and Peter. Read about these guys. It will change your life. Look at what verse 19 says. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Why did Jesus want this letter sent to the church of, uh, in Laodicea? Because he loved them. I mean, I don't know if we really respect or understand that concept. Do you really love your family members? Do you really love your children, parents? Jesus loves us. And boy, the disrespect we give him sometimes. Huh? Jesus says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You remember Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. When I realized that I was really rude to somebody, when I realized that I was really disrespectful to my wife, when I realized that I was a liar and a bold-faced one, and I just tried to puff myself up and I need to come clean, that's painful, isn't it? It's painful. 
Nevertheless, afterward, when you do it and you apply it and you fix it, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When I mess up, no matter how bad it hurts, if it's against God's will, I change. What does that do? It trains me to be better. Why do we practice basketball? Why do we practice football? Why do we do volleyball and have practices for softball? Why do we do those things? So we can be better and better and better, right? Here's a spiritual application of the same thing. It may hurt for the present. It may hurt when I have to change. But if I don't change, I'm not training myself to be able to understand how to be more righteous. Man, it's big time. This is a great understanding. Jesus says, I'm telling you this, I'm getting on to you because I want you to be better. Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself, Jesus, that we might redeem, be redeemed, uh, he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. This word zealous just keeps coming up. Eric sung the song that talked about the zeal was gone. Brethren, is our zeal for the king gone You want to know how you get out of being lukewarm? You get that zeal back. It doesn't matter who sees what you're doing. It doesn't matter how many elders or deacons or members or preachers or whoever says something to you. If you want to do God's will, you can do it. (laughs) And be pleasing to the Lord. That changed my life. I'm going to tell you right now, that thought changed my life. I don't have to impress anybody except the Lord on high. That's it. That's it. The only person. Boy, that should make me zealous. Boy, that should make me want to. Even as far as the church had gone, though. Even as far as this lukewarm congregation had gone, the Lord had not given up on them. And brethren, hear this one. No one is past the point of coming back or coming to the Lord while they're still on this earth. Did you hear that one? No one is past the point of coming back Or coming to the Lord while they are still here on this earth. There's always hope. God is always watching for them. Just like the prodigal's father. Looking for the day when he'd come back. To return. Jesus doesn't just beat down and beat around the bush. No, he tells the truth. Why? in hopes that they will realize their error and say, you know what, it's time for me to stop being a baby, take my pride out the way, and I'm going to be a man, and I'm going to come and do like you asked me to do. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of thinking about it. I'm tired of justifying it. I'm about the business. I'm about the business. 
and watch what happens to your life. I want to close with the reward. The reward is awesome. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Only in Christianity is God a seeker of men. He wants you. He wants you. He don't need you, but he wants you. He loves you. I want my children to do right. And if they go astray, I want them to come back. I'm begging for them to come back. I'm praying for them to come back, right? God has the same idea in his mind. He wants his children to obey him so they can be successful. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. That word right there, that Greek word for dining, and we have this still today, but in the first century, there was three meals. There was breakfast, there was lunch, and there was dinner. Breakfast was, you know, a bread or a fruit, and they dip it in some wine or whatever. Uh, lunch would be usually like a sack lunch. They would be out working, and they would have a lunch to go. But then came dinner. And this is the word. It was the main meal of the day. And why is that so important? Watch this one bloom out, brethren. People took their time at this meal. Don't y'all like sitting around the table? You know, you ever talked about, man, we need to get back to the, when we used to sit at the table and not have any devices and no TV. And we just sit and kind of visit with each other and talk about the things that are going on, right? You, you know that fellowship? I mean, we don't do it at my house as much as we should. And boy, it really is a good time when we do it. Jesus is talking about that meal. You know that time where they sit down and there's no rush? No rush. We're not hurrying. We're going to spend some time together. We're going to visit and enjoy each other's company. This opening the door as Jesus knocks is a promise of an intimate friendship with Jesus. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Matt. Jesus is going to come to my house, and he's going to sit down, and you guys are going to have communication. Come on now. Come on now. When I read this thing, when I read this, and I learn about what Jesus did, when I read this, and I understand how much he loved me, and he tells me that the world will know my people when you love each other, when I start doing those things, I am growing closer and closer to the Lord. I'm having fellowship with him. Jesus wants to have fellowship with us, but do we want to have fellowship with him? That's the question. He's knocking at the door. Will you open it? and let him in. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Is that true in your life? 
The question for this morning is will we open the door if we're not living the way we're supposed to and let Jesus fix the things that need to be fixed? Or maybe you're here today and you are not a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering what this Christianity stuff is all about. Well, let me tell you one thing. First and foremost, Jesus loves you. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants you to live forever, and he wants you to do it through Jesus. You do it through obedience of the gospel. You do it by believing who he is, repenting of your sins, turning from those things that are wrong, and turning towards God. Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll perish, Luke 13, 3. In Acts chapter 8, as the uh, Ethiopian eunuch was getting preached, uh, Jesus by Philip, he said, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe, you might. And Philip says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You do it by believing who he is, repenting of your sins, confessing his name, and being baptized in water. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, told those Jews who were cut to the heart, they were pricked, they were hurting, they were struggling, they needed relief. He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. How sweet it is to trust in Jesus. He forgives your sins. And then living a life faithful unto death. If you need your sins washed away, if you need to be added to the body of Christ, if you need prayers, whatever you need, come right now together we stand and sing.
anybody that had anything to do with the Timothy and Dorcas class, that is a great work. We appreciate the ladies and the men that teaching or whatever you've done, if you've made meals or whatever, that is a great work. And we especially thank the parents who allowed their children to be involved in that. And also we want to thank Miss Joella for the flower arrangements up here. She's kind of took that over. We appreciate Miss Linda for doing that for many years. Appreciate her very much. And uh, thanks her for all the work that she's done. Reminder, zone two, meet down front after services. And also zone three, help set up downstairs for the meal tonight. We'll sing two verses of this song, and then we'll have our closing prayer. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on the happy golden shore. No more sickness, no pain. 